Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Today we've got a crazy nuclear revenge story about somebody who was previously blinded by love. We'll get into that in a bit, but first, someone bullied my brother in his school, so I taught him a lesson. I'm A, and my junior brother's name is Dre. Just code names for this story. I went to high school in Nigeria at the time, when bullying was not what it is now. In fact, it was not considered bullying, and also the bullies were not just people with bad homes who felt like terrorizing other kids. It was like a privilege to be passed on and only the most feared senior who had some exclusive rights to be served like a king. This senior was called the top senior. The bad thing about that is when you're the most feared, you become hated. You lay foundation for some further heinous acts. Many juniors wanted the status to be passed on to them. For this to happen, you had to become the top senior's most loved junior, so that this status is maintained properly even after you leave the school. The top senior had to hand over his post to a befitting successor. This person will now own the honors of getting whatever he wants. During his tenure, all students feared him until it was time for him to leave the school. Unfortunately and fortunately for me, I got this position in school. Before leaving, I turned the school into my kingdom and all the students were my subjects. It got to the extent that teachers were even afraid of me. Teachers also respected the status of being a top senior. Why this was unfortunate was because I had no idea my mom would make my junior brother go to the same school that I did. I thought he would end up in a private school that didn't practice what my school did. So I was brutal and unrepentant with it. I took what I wanted from every student and owned their stuff. Hey, I'm not saying I'm proud of it. Since I moved out of Nigeria and came to the States, I feel terrible about what is normalized here. But every community has its own ailment, and that just happened to be theirs. America, too, is not a saint country when it comes to bullying. I kind of prefer the structures and organized type, though. It's also not as bad as people getting bullied over here. But anyway, some kid who had no respect for me got the post. He took it as an opportunity to retaliate against my brother. I guess that he forgot that just because he bore the title does not make him immune to the people existing outside the four walls of the school. Yes, I was done with high school years ago, but I was now the legal guardian of my brother. I could not let anything harm him. After giving this boy a beating he would never forget, I did what was never heard of in the school before. As the former top senior, I returned to the school to have him removed and replaced. After all, I held the same position before. I could determine who would inherit it and who wouldn't. It was all based on sentiments and butt-kissing. The status was called being the top senior. Whoever occupied that post had special privileges. Even as the post was created by students, teachers still respected it. They had to anyway. As an all-boys school, most of the students were big and tough, mischievous and clever even. If the student body did not like a teacher, their life was made to be a living heck until they finally resigned. So teachers, as long as they respected themselves, 
were respected by us. I know this is not what most western schools are used to, even some private schools in the same vicinity will frown at this idea, but this is how we lived and we loved it. So the top senior, he could get to the assembly whenever he wanted, he had a special seat during classes and during exams, sometimes he takes his exams separately from other students in his class. In the dining hall, he could ask for anything he wanted, from the staff and from other students. For instance, he could bully his juniors for their meat or eggs or whatever was served. A special space was reserved for him among the prefect's dining tables, even though the top senior could not become a prefect. It was the law. The prefects had no power over him still. He could stand in the way of their rules. He could release any student from punishment, no matter what student placed him there. The only place his authority didn't get to was interfering with the management and the school board. I worked hard to get that position. My predecessor was a ruthless stud. From when I was in school, I craved that position so, from early years, I started acting like it. I became close to whoever looked like they could inherit the position, especially the one that was in the set directly above mine. I wanted that position by all means. It wasn't because I wanted to act wickedly, I just wanted power so that nobody could act wickedly towards me. Before I became a senior, I was already looking like it. My classmates knew I would be the top senior in our set. When the time came for my predecessor to be crowned, I stuck closer to him like never before. I became his errand boy. I fetched his bucket, ironed his clothes, scavenged for extra food from other students in the dining hall for him, and because I was already acting in his stead, I had his authority whenever I did things for him. Not surprisingly, when he was leaving, he handed it over to me. At that point, I finally got what I wanted. I was then free. The reason this post was so admirable to me was that if you were loved by the top senior, or you were his best junior, or somehow just had some kind of link to him, you had some form of safety. You indirectly came under his protection. That is what I had always wanted. Protection. When I finally got it, I relaxed. Of course, I was charged not to abuse the position, or bring shame to it. That means in simple terms that it was my duty to uphold the name and authority other occupiers had over the school. Once you get that position, you cannot decide not to exercise your power. If not, you would be slandering the names of those who handed it to you, and you could get impeached. It would be called dishonor, or not being worthy enough. I agree that it, this was like a cult-like structure. Therefore, I was pressured to retain the brutality of the seat. I had to demand my rights, and I did so carefully, not wanting to instigate any terror. After all, what I was after was the protection, not the power. My tenure was smooth but not uneventful. I honored my predecessor's absence by securing the glory of the position so that the other successors will have something worthwhile to inherit. If I didn't use my rights, the position would dwindle, it became undesirable because it would no longer hold any power. That was the basis of everything I did. I was not too wicked, not too nice. But I remember a particular boy I really did not like. His name was Fred. Fred wanted to be the top senior in his time and he made it obvious. Too obvious, in fact. There was someone else in his set who I wanted it to go to. But Fred maneuvered his way through butt-kissing into the heart of his immediate senior who I was going to give the position down to. Fred was two classes below me, so technically I was not the one to hand it over to him. But watching this boy from afar, he was just dubious, using tricky tactics to get on the senior's good side. For other people, 
He would take their uniform, wash and iron it, while he did nothing for me. If he was truly honoring the position and not after his own benefit, he would have respected the office of the current top senior. That way he would rightfully gain this way, but obviously because I wasn't going to be in the school when it was his turn to inherit, he absolutely ignored me and despised my authority. I didn't like him, and he knew this. He, however, did not think that I mattered enough for him to be bothered by what I thought of him. This made me mad. He was a butt-kisser to other seniors who weren't even the top senior because I was. But to me, he ignored me. I got the message that he felt that he could inherit my post whether I liked him or not. There was a problem, though. I didn't want him to get that position, but the boy I was definitely going to hand over to liked Fred. It didn't matter to me later. I began to accept that Fred will one day be the top senior, but I'll be gone when he experienced the power and opportunity, so I didn't let it bother me. I continued giving preferential treatments to my closest juniors and excluding him. I didn't foresee the financial turmoil my mother would go through later, making her unable to send Dre to a private school like we all wanted him to go to. Sometimes I would need something and if he was hanging around, he was the only one I would send. For real, if he saw me differently, it wouldn't have been an issue that I always chose him to run the long errands for him. Every top senior always sent the person they trusted the most on errands. It was different for me. I was sending Fred because I didn't want him around too much. Of course, this got to him. He felt left out. I also would never share the things I got with him. He never participated in preferential treatment and I didn't use my power to make him immune. I did all these innocently because I didn't want a dubious inheritor of the position. Unluckily for me, after I left the school, my mother said Dre was going to that same school. When I checked, Fred was the top senior at that point. I told Dre to maintain a low profile. Dre has always been softer than me. He doesn't like sport, like I do. He had no desire for power. He just wanted to be on his own, so I told him to do so. Of course, I didn't tell Dre why. I didn't want Fred to notice that my junior brother had entered the school, but that didn't erase the striking resemblance we both had. Somebody must have seen Dre and asked him if he was the brother of the former top senior, then brought him to Fred. Now, Fred didn't have the decency to honor the top senior line by at least offering Dre some protection. I never bullied Fred or do anything to him that was not warranted. I just didn't like him, so I made him do the things every aspiring top senior would do, but just the harder ones, like going around school and making announcements for me, asking junior boys to fill up my plate with their food or provision, etc. Even making Fred live like he was in heck while in school, was not really so bad because he knew what he had to do to get to that position. I had to make him earn it. Dre, on the other hand, he just wanted to be a quiet kid that cared only about academics. Now, Fred had the autonomy to do whatever he liked to do to Dre, and he did. My junior brother will go days without eating well. Fred always asked him to empty his food portion into a plate whenever he was served, or bring his entire meal to him. Fred seized all his provisions and the only food Dre would eat were those offered to him by his mates who pitied him or the meals that Fred didn't like. My brother got threatened not to report, but even if he did, he knew he couldn't get justice, so he stayed silent and managed what he could find. By making friends with other seniors, he was able to get some breakfast when Fred took his plate. My brother is a nice kid, he never wants to get in anyone's way, 
He just likes to maintain a low profile. So even on visiting days that my mom checked up on him, he didn't speak about what Fred was doing to him. Besides that, Fred will make Dre do some outrageous punishments, like filling a bucket with a spoon or cup. Dre started spending his entire time in the teacher's offices just to escape Fred. When my mother got back home, she told me how scrawny my brother was looking, and I just knew it was something I had to look into. During the holiday, I asked Dre to be very honest about Fred. He was surprised that I knew. Then I told him everything about my stay in the school. I also promised to get him out of it since I was kind of the one that got him there in the first place. I talked to some of the boys that were in my set who didn't like Fred either. We knew where to find him, and when we showed up in his place, he was very surprised. He knew what he had done, so he simply accepted his fate. He told his mum he had some private things to settle with us, and we took him to a private place where we gave him the beating of his life for what he did to my brother. After we took him home, I talked to my predecessor about Fred's attitude. Not surprisingly, he was furious because that was a slander on the position. He was to protect every sibling or family friend of a former top senior. Since he had dishonored the post, he was impeached as top boy, and the other boy whom I wanted to occupy the position in the first place was made the new top senior in his set. My brother was removed from that school and taken to a private school. We just knew that every other school may be like or worse than his former school. I still don't know how my mother managed to pay his school fees all the way through, but you know black women, when there is a will, there is always a way. I love that awesome ending there where they say their mom is such a powerful woman. I mean, I guess it's a better situation to pull them out of there, but I'm just surprised that OP went to such length to make sure their situation at that school would be good and then still immediately got them out of there. That said, our next story is My Girlfriend Vicky. You see, the thing about love is that it truly does blind you. You're basically at the mercy of someone who could either be your biggest source of strength or someone who will drain you and possibly traumatize you and you're almost basically helpless. You'd love them with every fiber of your being and they'd still make you hurt endlessly. They say that it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved. However, when the person you love is Vicky, it's way better to have never have loved. I'll tell you why. Vicky and I met in New York. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that, after finishing a small questionnaire, will match you with a licensed therapist, where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. When I moved there right after law school, I was a struggling young lawyer trying to find my way through life in the Big Apple. I was staying with my close friend Brandon at the time. Brandon was a game developer. We had gone to high school and had originally wanted to go to college together, but I had taken a gap year to figure out what I really wanted, and he'd gone on to finish college and start working at a relatively new game company trying to hit it big in the market. When Brandon had heard that I wanted to move to New York, he had immediately offered to give me a place to stay while I got on my feet. That time was a really interesting time in my life. I got a job at a small law office, working for a stocky, mean man who paid me crumbs and demanded I work insane hours. I barely had time for literally anything else in my life. I was always working, and I was always in a hurry. Brandon had complained that I was too busy to do literally anything else, including hanging out with him, but at the time, I was more worried about doing a good job. I knew I wasn't going to stay long at that job, but I wanted to do such a good job that even when I left, I couldn't be faulted for anything. Also, I was getting a ton of experience, which made me learn a lot about the legal profession and practice. I do have to add here that I currently feel that people should be paid well for whatever job they do, and bills can't be paid with experience, but at the time, I was really naive. One day though, I got to work late. That morning there'd been a fire at a building on the route that I usually take, so the bus had to take another route. The thing with the route that we took was that because of the increased amount of vehicles on that route, there was a bit of traffic which delayed me for a good 30 minutes. When I got to the office, my boss was already there, which was something that had never happened before. He made such a big deal about it, talking about how I wasn't fully committed to the success of the firm and how I was trying to run his office to the ground. I was obviously very upset about how my boss treated me, and so I was sour throughout the day. On my way home, I was lost in thought and anger, so I didn't notice when I bumped into a beautiful brunette. She was holding a laptop bag, and as I bumped into her, she dropped it. I heard a crack. From the look on her face, she heard it too. I stopped dead in my tracks and started to apologize instantly. I told her I was willing to cover the cost of fixing whatever damage had been done to her laptop. While I spoke, she silently opened the bag up to inspect the laptop. There was a little crack on the underside of the laptop. She flipped open the laptop and hit the power button. It booted up without any seeming problem. When she was certain that the laptop was still functional and mostly intact, she looked at me, her eyes questioning as if to say, What the heck, man? I realized that it was the first time she looked at me the entire encounter. I looked into her eyes and again started apologizing. 
She looked long and hard at me, as if deciding she would scream at me or not. She seemed to determine that I simply wasn't worth the trouble. She put the laptop back in the bag, zipped the bag, and was about to continue walking when I waved at her to get her attention. She looked mildly annoyed, but she at least gave me her attention. I asked if she was fine and offered to give her my number so she could contact me if she discovered any further damage on the laptop. I even went as far as telling her where I worked if she wanted to contact me in person. She took my number and just walked away. The entire encounter, she didn't utter a word. I didn't know it at the time, but I had just met the woman who would make me feel on top of the world right before breaking me completely. Almost a week after I bumped into Vicky, she called me. I was in the middle of work and I couldn't really talk. I expected that she'd be calling to tell me that she'd noticed a defect on her laptop that was a resultant effect of it dropping, but that wasn't it at all. She sounded happy, almost excited even, and she asked if I'd be free for lunch. My boss worked me to the bone, so I didn't have any breaks. I told her that and she asked if I'd be free for dinner. I was confused, and I asked if it had anything to do with the laptop. She giggled, probably one of the sweetest sounds I'll ever hear in my life, and said, no silly, I'm asking you out on a date. Honestly, I was even more confused now, but I could only manage to say a sheepish, sure, when? And so it began. That evening, we went to a nice place for dinner. It was the first time I'd gone somewhere that fancy since I got to New York. Brandon had picked out my outfit himself, calling what I wanted to wear previously hot trash. I still expected Vicky to talk about some form of damage to her laptop, but she didn't. Ate, spoke about her family, her hobbies, and work and she asked me about mine. How I won't deny, I hadn't really dated anyone since high school, so I was really rusty, but as the night went on, I became more relaxed and I talked more. By the time the date was over, I wanted us to go on another one. By our second date, I was already fantasizing about getting married to her. She was very charismatic, and I was head over heels. There was almost nothing anyone could say to change my mind about Vicky. She wasn't just fun to be around too, she pushed me to do better and be better. She was the one who finally convinced me to quit my crap job and apply for a better job. She went apartment hunting with me and helped choose my new apartment and even got me furniture as a gift. She flew home with me when my mom got sick and almost died. Whenever I felt down, I could always rely on Vicky. She was my support and I absolutely loved and adored her. In fact, I was already thinking about popping the big question, and I'd already started looking at rings. I wanted to get her a unique, beautiful one, one that seemed to match her. I was completely sold. I was going to marry this woman. That, however, was when I finally started to see the red flags. The first red flag I tried for months to pretend like I didn't see was how secretive she was. She would always hide her phone and was always answering calls in a hushed voice. When I asked who was calling, she always said that it was work. At first, I believed blindly, but after a while, it started to get a little suspicious. I talked to Brandon about it, and he seemed to think that there was some substance to my fears, but I pushed it aside and told myself I was just being paranoid. Then she started going on more work trips than a normal employee would. She would be gone for days at a time. However, she called every day and always sent photos, so once again, I felt like I was just being a bit jealous and insecure. I decided to work on it, and soon enough, I became used to her constantly traveling for work. Then it happened. One day, she disappeared for a week. 
She wasn't at her place, she wasn't at any of her friends, and she had apparently taken a week-long leave from work. I know this because I actually showed up at her workplace. Her phone was unreachable and my messages didn't get read. Worried, I started to think that perhaps she'd been kidnapped. I reported a missing person at the local precinct, and every day I'd go to places I knew she hung out at, hoping to see her by chance. I was extremely scared and most nights I cried myself to sleep. Through this whole deal, one person, though he was supportive, seemed a little suspicious too. Brandon. Brandon said that he couldn't shake the feeling that Vicky had gone off somewhere, and he could bet his bottom dollar that she was with another man. When he told me this, I got enraged. How dare he say such vile things about a person who was literally missing? Did he really think so lowly of her? I was here worried sick, and instead of being a good friend, he was doubting Vicky's loyalty to me? I gave him a piece of my mind. He told me to stop being blinded by my love for Vicky and actually look at the facts. Vicky had taken a week-long leave before disappearing. She had been having secret calls and going on a lot of work trips. If she wasn't cheating, he'd be shocked. I angrily told him to get out of my sight. As he stood at the door, he told me he could bet she'd magically show up at the end of the week and to call him when my head was clear. Then he left. Almost a week after she went missing, Vicky randomly appeared at my apartment. I was all sorts of things at once. Relieved, happy, upset, worried, skeptical. I asked her where she had been this entire time. She lied and said that she had suddenly gone on a work trip. She had left so abruptly, she had forgotten to take her phone. I nodded and said I was glad to see her back home. I knew then that Brandon was probably right, but I didn't want to believe it. For one, I was absolutely smitten by this woman, and I'd loved her completely for almost a year. The second reason, though, was because I was actually embarrassed to talk to Brandon about it. I'd been so mean and I'd dismissed his claims, even though a part of me always knew that it was probably true. When I showed up at Brandon's place, he opened the door and I walked in. He was quiet while I slowly walked to the couch, sunk in, and picked up his Xbox controller. After a while, though, he spoke. So, he asked. Yeah, she's cheating, I responded. Saying it out loud like that made me realize just how real this was. My girlfriend really was cheating on me. The tears started to well up in my eyes. I didn't expect Brandon to show any form of sympathy after what I'd said to him before, but he grabbed my shoulder, looked at me, and asked a simple question. So what are you going to do about it? At first, I considered just breaking things up with her and moving on with my life. But as the evening wore on and I played more Call of Duty, anger started to set in, and I decided I would rather have vengeance. By the end of the evening, I was so certain that all I wanted was vengeance, it seemed utterly ridiculous that I considered just moving on before. Vengeance came in the form of a little hacker that Brandon knew. Apparently he had used his services before to help take down a scammer who had installed spyware on his work laptop. The guy was really good. I barely gave him any info to work with, but he was somehow able to hack into her accounts and even gain remote access to her computer. We were able to not only find out who she was cheating with, but also copy important company files right before corrupting them on her computer. We gave sensitive info of the company's secrets to their biggest competition. We, right before completing our mission, also raised an alarm that the company's files had been compromised. I knew they would conduct an internal investigation to figure out what had leaked and from who it had leaked. 
I knew when they discovered it was from Vicky, they'd have her fired and possibly sued too. I decided that before the whole dumpster fire, it would be best for me to break up with her. So at the same restaurant we had our first date, we had our last. Halfway through the dinner, I told her I knew she was cheating and I couldn't be with her anymore. She didn't even deny it, she just nodded solemnly and tried to call me back as I left. I heard about Vicky getting figured out as the leak and being fired a week later. To be honest, it didn't bring me a lot of joy, but it did make me feel ever so slightly better while I dealt with the loss of losing who I thought was the love of my life. I hurt so bad, I don't think I'll ever be the same again. I've poured all my energy into my work, and I haven't asked anyone out since then. My focus on work has made me very successful and a huge asset to the firm I work at presently, but sometimes the loneliness really eats away at my soul. I hope that someday I'm able to heal and trust someone enough to be with them. For now though, I'm good. Honestly, Brandon is such a good friend. He understood in that moment that you were just defensive, didn't want to believe it, and you were explosive and reactive because of that, but was still there to support you when you came down from that. And also, I'm very impressed with what that hacker was able to do with such little info. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another crazy revenge story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.